avoiding worry. That's what Jesus says here, verse 25 and verse 34. Don't worry about your life. And and don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough worry for today. Now, this may not be the best time for me to stand before you uh, as your pastor, uh, as your friend, and tell you not to worry. I mean, it's not the best time in the sense that, well, we're all worried right now. For, for one reason or another, everything, everything's changed. And, and none of us know how this will, will shake out. But looking at it from, from the other angle, this, this is exactly when we need to be quoting Jesus telling us not to worry. We, we need to trust Jesus' provision for our lives now, perhaps more than ever. Now, four months ago, maybe we weren't the, the strongest candidates for being able to, to imagine ourselves sitting around, around Jesus uh, preaching this sermon that is in no way ordinary. You know, Jesus' audience was, was poor. Many were, were downtrodden. But, but since COVID, a natural disaster, has, has brought us to a place where, where we really may be uneasy about the present and about the future. We likely are. So, well, the provision of choice in our house is typically ice cream. Really, it's, it's any sweets. But let's go with ice cream for now because we've had a lot of it during the evenings these past uh, few weeks. In fact, uh, <laughs> when we were able to borrow uh, my good friend Richard's generator when the power went out a couple weeks ago during the storm, the first thing that crossed my mind was, oh good, we won't lose all of our ice cream. That's pitiful. It's true. Never mind all the other food that would go bad. I was most concerned about the bluebell about the Ben and Jerry's. (laughs) So here's the deal. If we're having a a family dessert social, (laughs) aka getting the ice cream out, I like to be the one serving it. Now, you may immediately think that that I want to do that because I want to give, you know, everybody a a very small (laughs) amount so that there'll be more, you know, for me. And you would be, yeah, you'd be right. (laughs) But that really doesn't work in our house. The kids know my tricks, and and they know how much they want. But I still like to to serve it up, because I also have figured out the exact amount that will make them not squeal for more. And that's exactly what I serve them. And not just because I want more for me, although that's true. It's so we won't waste any. Nothing chaps me more than seeing bluebell ice cream melting, unenjoyed. That is sinful. Now, I'm worried that the ice cream will be wasted. Now, here in our text, we have Jesus helping us asking us not to worry about what there there might be to, to eat or or to drink or or what we might have to wear. Now this isn't an invitation to go out naked, obviously, or or even permanently uh, fast, believing that, that God will will pro- provide. Now clothe yourselves. Help help keep others clothed. Feed yourselves and, and help make sure others have enough to 
to eat and drink. We did that last Friday when we when we uh, had our mobile um, drop off. And you know, the ice cream scenario in our house it it reveals in me a distinct need, or, or perhaps better put, a want for ice cream, and not just some ice cream, but but enough ice cream. And I alone have determined how much enough is, and I can control that because I can drive to the store where there's always plenty of ice cream. Now, Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You will love one and, and hate the other or, or vice versa. That's back in verse 24 in, in Matthew 6. And, and it must be considered leading into these 10 verses we've just read. What this section is, is a call to the life of simplicity. At least a more simple life than what we have created for ourselves. Richard Foster says that simplicity is freedom. Duplicity, serving two masters, is is bondage. My life is not going to be any different with less ice cream or no ice cream. Actually, I'll probably feel better if I eat less. And now about what we, we wear. Well, we're, we're led to believe that if we're not going to wear the right clothes, then we're going to be out of step with reality. But we all look back to styles from yesteryear and think, what were we wearing? So there's nothing that we're coming up with in the present that is going to for sure stand the test of time. Our fashion trends are the epitome of temporary treasures. Now, Richard Foster goes on to say, that our psychosis in this regard, it, it permeates our mythology. In this sense, the modern hero is one who purposefully becomes rich rather than one who voluntarily becomes poor. Covetousness we call ambition. Hoarding we call prudence. Uh, hashtag toilet paper, right? Greed we call industry. And Foster was right on there. Indeed, we have been sold that rugged individualism is the pinnacle of modern existence. Fill ye barns and, and fill ye freezers and, and make sure your textiles cost a pretty penny or don't bother leaving the house wearing them. But Jesus says, don't worry about what you're wearing. Don't worry about what you have to eat. Isn't life more than food and, and your body more than the clothes that surround it? Listen for the birds. They're flying all around me like now, right now. Look to them. They don't fly around together and, and, eat, and do anything other than eating their fill during the day, sleeping and then repeating. They don't own property. They don't own barns. Then he invokes consideration of the lilies of the field. They don't do anything to clothe themselves, yet they are more splendid, more beautiful than anything Solomon could find, King Solomon could find in his huge walk-in closet. Jesus' audience, I remind you, poor and, and, and more poor, no middle class. Jesus is offering comforting assurance of life's essentials, food, drink, and clothing. Now, think about who's gathered around Jesus. Think about it. The poor. The, the, the middle class is, is small in Jesus' day. They're there are these haves and, and then there are the have-nots. And this teaching would have been really good news to the have-nots and, and not so good news to the haves. 
continuing the trend of this sermon, which is not ordinary and has been for these have-nots. Friends, this is not about being more obedient, although obedience is great. It is so much better to not worry because God is so much better at providing than you and I are. More importantly, without relying on God's provision, we're going to do a really poor job, a really poor job of taking care of one another. One thing about our family ice cream social is that it brings us together. I noticed a memory this past week on my Facebook feed from one year ago. Now, the world was totally different a year ago. And it was a school night, and we jumped in the car at 7.30, and we went to get ice cream at a real live ice cream shop. Can't wait to do that again. And maybe a questionable parenting decision at 7.30 on a school night. But even without the Facebook memory, I remember that night so, so well. We're made for one another. Not just my family, not not just your family, like all of us. We are made for one another. We, we must be brought together. This has been such a challenging time for that, but I hope you've seen new ways that you've been brought together because being consumed with our own desires, with, with our own circumstances right now will we'll have serious adverse effects on us now and down the road, on us and on one another. You see, we as followers of Jesus, we know the secret. We follow Jesus. We, we know how this story ends and we have to start living like it. Worry is the opposite of prayer. And and Jesus taught us how to pray earlier in this chapter. And he said, when we pray, rest assured that our Father in heaven knows what we need even before we ask. Jesus knows what we need before we ask. My kid sits in in Santa's lap, all of my kids each year, and, and they're sure as they do that that Santa is going to come through. Jesus knows what we need. And here in our text today in verse 32, Jesus knows we need all these things, food, drink, clothes. Jesus has got us. So try not to worry. Now, it's certainly easier said than done. Worry is so common. It's so easy to fall into. But it is certainly easier to avoid when I have you next to me reminding me of God's promises, reminding me of God's provision, helping me along. And this is what has stuck out to me time and time again this week, pouring into this passage. Worry sends us into a mess, a feverish mess of covetousness or hoarding or greed or, or all three. And, and when we are like that, what is it that we are not? Well, I'm not thinking about you. I'm not considering your needs. And I'm making it harder for you to know for you to remember that God's got you. I'm helping you spiral into worry. God reveals God's love and provision in so many ways through the church. We are made for one another, for connection, for community, engaging each whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anytime, anywhere, with anybody. That's our mission statement. It's it's a good one. But if you think for one second that the engagement part 
of our mission is to is to simply relay words about the gospel that that when put together comprise what the gospel is in an effort to get someone to agree with us and and that be it then then we've missed it completely if that's our deal we're doing more harm than we are good because the world y'all I know this the world is desperate to know what Jesus is explaining in this sermon, which is not ordinary. They are desperate and people are more likely to buy in if they see it lived out in us, if if they experience the love in relationship with us. If an alien came down to earth and knew nothing about life in America and just watched us objectively for a period of time, I would not be surprised at all for the objective obsessment assessment of this alien, of us, to be something like this. Well, they they seem to scurry around to and fro, trying their best to accumulate as much as possible. And and far too many of them don't seem to to stop and, and interact meaningfully with one another very often at all. They actually don't seem to enjoy very much what they are accumulating. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ engages the whole person all the way into relational community because that is who God is. God's very being is relational. We, we call this the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God's very self is relational, and we are made to be relational beings as well. We, we are made for one another, for connection, for community. In Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous letter from a Birmingham jail, he said, we must all learn to live together as brothers and sisters or, or we will perish together as fools. We are, we are tied together in the single garment of destiny, caught in an inescapable network of mutuality and whatever affects one affects all indirectly. For some strange reason, I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you are ought to be. Such strong words from Dr. King. Aristides, the the just, was a second century Greek statesman. He observed Christians, and, and this is what he said about these Christians. They walk in all humility and kindness, and and falsehood is not found among them. And they love one another. If they see a stranger, they bring him or her under their roof and rejoice over him as if they were their own brother. And if there's among them a man that is is poor and needy and they have not an abundance of necessities, they fast two or, or three days that they may supply the need with their necessary food. Now, what would Aristides say about us? We, we have to take care of one another. We have to take care of the other, the the person who is not yet part of our community, the person who perhaps feels like life has spat upon them, that life has been so hard on them. Who, Who can we reach out to that hasn't been reached out to in a while? Who Who is God revealing to you that may need a friend? Pray for God to reveal that to you, to to show you who would thrive in our community. Anyone is welcome here with us, right? There 
they're welcome to be with us, right? Aren't they? The, the kingdom is for them. That's Jesus' whole point. Maybe that's why Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom. Maybe all of these things added unto us meant that our community would expand and we would have more and more people caring for more and more people. Can we get a modern-day Aristides to write an essay about us? Radical care for one another that totally thwarts all worry. Now that is a kingdom worth offering to someone else. Everything else leads to worry. Everything else spoils, rots, or just kills us. Now for the past two weeks, we've been talking about two distinct kingdoms. The first is an earthly kingdom. Its rulers are whatever we place at the center of it. Maybe it's ourselves, maybe it's money itself, whatever the idol du jour happens to be. The alternative kingdom is an, alter, is an eternal one. Anxiety reducing and peace rendering. It's a kingdom where Jesus is king, a kingdom where we find rest. I ask you as we begin a prayer time together, does this sound good to you? Would you like this? So would you take a few moments and would you pray with me? Perhaps, as I said earlier, this is your first time worshiping with us or, or with any church for that matter. We, maybe you've never heard of Jesus. That's okay. Jesus loves you as much as Jesus loves me or any of us. Perhaps you're, you're struggling and, and you need to set things straight with God. Don't take any more time. Fall into God's arms today. God loves you and God is calling for you. And church family, we can't waste any more time. We have to ask God to, to free us up, to, to rid us of this, of this worry about clothes or food or drink or, or anything else that may be keeping our eyes from seeing all that God has, the wonderful things that God has for us to do, the folks that, that we can care for, the many ways we can help make God's kingdom available. Pray with me. Dear God, hear our prayers. Hear, hear the cries of our hearts. Turn our affections toward you. Your provision is perfect. Lead us to rely solely on you and to help others to do the same. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.